This is Turning Left, a NASCAR podcast. Tune in each week for race recaps, race previews, winner predictions, gambling odds, and driver fantasy scores. Buckle up, hold your line, and keep turning left. Well, Calvin, I don't know where this week went, but it is already Thursday, which means it's time for the Turning Left Race Prediction Podcast. This week, we're going to be breaking down our predictions for Las Vegas Motor Speedway, the Pennzoil 400. So, Calvin, how are you doing today? Uh, I'm doing pretty good. I'm excited for uh, this race coming up this weekend. I have some pretty interesting picks, I think. I think you're going to enjoy those. Literally just picked them like five minutes ago, so we'll see how this goes. <laughs> More time to research. I, I locked mine in yesterday. I feel pretty good about it, too. I mean, they're not blazing picks. Well, one might be. One might be considered. I don't know. I'm interested. We'll, we'll get into it. Um, Before we get to that, we have some more Facebook news uh, or Facebook drama, rather, in the racing world. So I don't know if you saw that tweet by Mike Joy. The biggest news of this whole thing is Mike Joy has a Twitter account. Uh, yeah, which <laughs> I don't think anybody knew until today when he woke up and chose violence this morning. So for those that don't know, we, we talked about it on our, I think it was our post-race podcast because it, ha- it had happened over the weekend. Um, Noah Gregson, driver in the Xfinity series, was um, winning the race by a considerable amount. Driver... Popped a tire, causing Gregson to uh, slam in the back of him. Totally messed up his finish, ruined his day. Post-race interview came, and he said, you know, what can you expect when we have dipshits all over the track every week? So we discussed that because the following day, David Starr, the owner, went on Facebook and responded. Basically called him, which I still think is like the funniest insult I've heard, and maybe one of the most original Called him an entitled, ma- over entitled mouthpiece. Basically, you know, defended himself, his, you know, his car, the team. They were running a top 12 finish at that point, which f- for them, they are an underfunded team. Uh, that, that's, that's a win for them. So they were pretty happy just to be there at the end. I think post race, like we were saying, Gregson is obviously very emotional and you're going to get that. I mean, he was going to win the race to go from going to win the race to, you know, an awful finish like that is going to make you say some things you maybe you're thinking, but deep down you wouldn't say in normal circumstances. Yeah. Well, Gregson doubled down basically on Twitter all week and he's been saying, well, you know, I got you guys talking about me like this is a, um, I, I think he said something to the extent of. If you're talking about me, I'm doing my job. And he, he's just kind of doubled down on being the villain, I feel like, which prompted Mike Joy to tweet this this morning. <laughs> Our sport has always had, in quotes, funded drivers. But it's high time a few of these privileged kids, powered by daddy's pile of cash, realize this whole sport doesn't exist just to make their dreams come true. Take some time to learn from those who've worked. Worked is in all caps, by the way. Their way to the top. Cameron, how do you feel about that? Um, you know, I, I have like kind of like multiple opinions on that. You know, I, I do think that one, I don't necessarily want to, I guess, fault funded drivers just because, I mean, they are, I guess, reaping the benefits of somebody's fruits of labor, but at the same time, you know, also have respect for, you know, a lot of, a lot of the older drivers, right? Like, you know, Daryl Waltrip, he didn't really grow up in like an extremely wealthy family, you know, Dale Jarrett. I mean, whole bunch of different drivers that kind of had to scrap their way through even Dale Earnhardt, you know, he didn't start off with anything. He had to work his way up. 
Um, so I don't necessarily have a problem with, I guess, funded drivers. Um, but at the same time, you know, I guess somebody like Noah Gregson, uh, he doesn't really have the perspective of somebody that had to go through that struggle and somebody that's not on, you know, a really, you know, strong AAA team. You know, I mean, I think I can definitely see where Mike Joy is coming from. That's kind of where I am because the start of motorsports racing, NASCAR, I mean, is so different to what it is now. Motorsports now is kind of a rich man's sport, you know, to get involved. Somebody like me and you, we're not going to have the same opportunities as, for example, you know, one of the drivers we like to root for, Chase Elliott. He's a great story, but did he put in his dues per se? I mean, look at his dad, right? His dad's a millionaire. He, he kind of had the ticket to get up there. And again, we like Chase Elliott. We're not saying anything negative about it, but yeah. it's the truth. There's a lot of drivers like this, you know, the, the Joey Logano's you have, you know, the Paul Menards, you have Gregson, who uh, again is in there primarily because they come from a rich family and they're able to, to buy their seat. Whereas these underfunded teams that they're just out there grinding, trying to get good places, run good races, come out with a clean race car. Um, they realistically on, on some of these tracks have no shot at winning. So that's what they're in it for. It's good and bad because understandably so NASCAR sponsors, I feel like NASCAR sponsorships these days aren't like what they used to be, right? Like there's a lot less than what we had previously. Like yeah. companies aren't going to put money on it. It doesn't seem like something that's going to have a, a high return on investment. So to keep the sport going, um, I, I, I understand that it has its place, but I'm kind of in the, in the same thing. There, there has been kind of an elitist mentality. And I put this up on Instagram. This isn't the first time we've heard drivers talk down to these underfunded cars. So again, while I, you know, or underfunded teams rather. So while I'm not mad at, you know, pay to race drivers, essentially, I think there is a little bit of a toxic element where they may think that, you know, like what are these under these, these lesser teams, what are they supposed to do? Are they supposed to just go out there and not race hard? That's not good for anybody. That's not what they're there for. And I I don't like the mentality that's looking down upon them. Again, they have their place. My favorite driver, who I, I root for, uh, Alex Bowman. You know, he came. You know, how many cars did he drive? The Burger King car. Uh, he, you know, he got fired over Twitter. Uh, you know, there are drivers that can work their way up, and they do get a seat, and you know, they perform, and their performance gets them their high ticket team or, or what have you. But I just don't think that I don't like the mentality of talking down to them. If that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, I definitely agree. You know, at the end of the day, they're still competitors, and the respect has to be had. You know, they they're going through a completely different it's it's just it's a completely different feeling and a completely different experience for those lower fl- those lower funded teams. Them wrecking a car is gonna have a much more financial, you know, ramification than a well funded team. So yeah, I mean it's definitely I think important to get that perspective and to gain that perspective and just, you know, have respect for your competition at the end of the day. You know, what Noah said after the race, I don't necessarily have like a problem with it. You know, like I said in the last episode, you know, the brawl emotions is, you know, I think good for the sport. But to, I guess, go on a Twitter tirade probably isn't the best look. And, you know, he is still young and all that. But, you know, you just kind of would like to. (laughs) Sometimes it's better just to lie, even if you don't feel like it. And he's young. And that's probably part of the problem. He's only 22. He doesn't have a ton of life experience. So he probably doesn't have that same composure that like a veteran would have. Although I guess that doesn't really count too, because how many times is like Kyle Busch gone out there and just torn somebody apart? And uh, (laughs) he's not a young guy anymore. So (laughs) maybe that'll never go away. If he wants to, he he seems to play the villain well. 
Um, we said in one of our podcasts after Daytona, like as far as media coverage goes and personalities, you know, that's probably good for the sport having rivalries, having and villains. large person. And y- yeah, exactly. If you're going to have the heroes like the Chase Elliott's, you're going to need the villains. Noah Gregson, if he wants to kind of lean into that a little bit, the opportunity is now there. Yeah. With him driving for Dale Jr. Motorsports, I did want to see what Dale Jr. had to say. His podcast came out today, and I was interested to see if he was going to touch on it at all. And it's kind of funny because right in the beginning, <laughs> so he was talking, and he's like, "What are they? Are there, are there, is there anything we should talk about that the fans are going to expect me to address?" Obviously, you know, <laughs> acknowledging what happened, <laughs> and he kind of gave his thoughts on it and, and what he would like to, um, or what he would do, or you know, has he said anything to Noah? And he pretty much said, "I'm going to stay out of this. Like this is Noah's show." This is his responsibility to deal with. He used the phrase like helicopter owner. He's not going to go down there and micromanage his drivers, which I thought was pretty interesting. And I kind of like he said yeah. you know, pretty much he's going to leave it up to Noah. Yeah, I mean, that's think that's that's probably the best way to go about it. You know, I think, you know, J- Dale Jr. seems like he's pretty like laid back in many ways. And at the end of the day, I mean, he can try to tell Noah different things. But at the end of the day, you know, Noah's going to be Noah. <laughs> so... He has to learn things for himself. And that's kind of what he said is he's going to go through these experiences and it's only going to make him better. He's going to learn, you know, what he probably would say if he was going to say anything. I think he said that he actually called him and couldn't. They were playing like phone tag, like he left him a message. And then he said, no, you know, called him at a bad time and he couldn't pick up. As of this podcast, it sounds like they haven't talked yet. But kind of what he said, if he were to say anything, is just, you know, kind of paint the picture of of what those teams do. Like we said, um, the veteran driver uh, of that car, uh, he's been around for a while. And, you know, he would, uh, from what Dale said, he knows him personally. And, you know, he's a, a good guy. And he would just kind of paint that picture, you know, the, to, to look at look at the, the large picture. And yeah, yeah, nobody wants, it wasn't intentional. And we know that now. And I think probably post-race, you don't know what happened as soon as you get out of the car and you have a microphone in your face. Maybe he, oh, he, yeah. he probably didn't know again at that point that you know he blew a tire. I think the issue and why there's such a large fallout at this point is just because he doubled down on it this week on Twitter. But yeah, when he knows exactly what happened. I mean, if your tire blows out, your tire blows out. You know, Nothing you it is do. what it is. You know, have to avoid it. You have to, when, you're, when you have that giant of a lead, I would stay as far away from these other cars as possible if I were in that position. You just don't know what's going to happen. Crazy shit happens all the time. So I did want to touch on that. Uh, glad we got that out of the way. Maybe come next week, we'll have some, <laughs> some more headlines, I guess, in <laughs> social media. I don't know. Hey, it's but, making um, Xfinity seem pretty interesting, though, with all I, these different storylines now. Well, you know, what's funny about that is I, so like we said before, this podcast primarily focuses on the cup. Uh, we will talk about other series if news is relevant, which this was, I feel like, and I, I wanted to talk about. But yeah, going into this race now, I do want to watch. Like, I want to see what happens. So maybe yeah. I'll check that out. That's usually a race that I'll skip, or or like I'll catch pieces of it. I'll check in every now and then, but I won't watch the full race like I do the Cup race. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'll probably do the same uh, just to have a little bit more context because I mean, w- I think we both just saw this from the highlight. I mean, that was pretty much all we saw of this race. We had yeah, no, that was no nothing leading up. So yeah, you actually hey, just watched the last lap. Yeah, that's right, Rev. Right before our last episode. Yeah, it's wild, man. <laughs> so I guess we can kind of get into our predictions. So uh, earlier this week, we came out with our preview show, just where we kind of give a brief overview of the track. At that time, we didn't know the starting grid and the opening betting lines were open. The favorites were as we expected. 
There was a lot of Kevin Harvick, Martin Truex, um, Joe Logano, Chase Elliott. They all opened as the favorites. Um, we talked about wh- who I thought maybe were some some drivers that had some value at that time. Alex Bowman, who opened up at plus 2,500 and is now down to plus 1,800. Now that we're closer, we know the starting grid. I, I'm not sure how much more it's going to move at this point. Most likely, whatever the betting odds are now, are probably going to be pretty close come race time. The top fantasy picks per FanDuel, Joey Logano, Brad Kozlowski, Martin Truex. Like we said, Team Penske has a phenomenal track record here at this track. Last year, it was won by Joey Logano. And I, you know, it's funny. I went back and rewatched the race highlights from that race too. As we talked about on the preview podcast, it was a battle at the end, the first time around this track between Ryan Blaney and Alex Bowman. Two to go. There was a caution. Unfortunately, they were the first two cars out. They decided to pit kind of a lose-lose situation because if, if they pit, everybody stays out, which they did. If you stay out, what's going to happen? Probably everybody behind you pits. Well, they decided to, to pit and nobody did behind them, basically. Or at least Joey Logano didn't, and he stayed out, wound up winning the race. Kind of a, after, and it was a battle. One thing that caught my eye, too, was the aggressiveness of Chase Elliott, who wound up taking damage and had a late finish speed because of a caution. He was bumping, there was this one run he had, and man, he gave Logano a hard bump, and he was racing Blaney hard, and I think that's what eventually led to his spin out. So I am interested to see you know what he does this week. This was when I feel like he was having a, a really bad string of luck. If you remember last season, he had an opportunity at quite a few races, and it took him a bit to get his, his win there last season. And this oh, yeah. was one of them. You know, But he was racing very aggressive. And, and this was one of those races where he had a very good car on these long runs. But it, it kind of seemed like his aggressiveness got the better of him. Yeah, I, I remember last year, he probably could have had at least three more wins. You know, I know that at Phoenix, he had like some kind of tire issue. You know, he had his issues at Las Vegas. So, yeah, I mean, he definitely could have been, you know, a huge factor to win that race if, you know, that stuff didn't happen to him. Yeah. So looking at the Pennzoil 400 fantasy picks from FanDuel, again, as we mentioned, Joey Logano, he has uh, one of the best average finishing positions on this track. Average finishing position is 8.4. He's got a three-way tie for the most wins here at Las Vegas with two. This is among active drivers, of course. He's got Mm -hmm. the second best winning percentage, 13.33%. In 15 races here, he's placed in the top five six times, which is the second best. And the top 10, 10 times tied for the best rate. Logano has also led the third most total laps on this track with 488. Brad Kozlowski has a little bit of an edge on him. Kozlowski has posted the best average finishing position at this track, 5.33. So he's basically finishing within the top six every single race. That's over the last six appearances. Wow. Kozlowski's also got the most wins and the best winning rate at 20%. In 15 showings on this track, he's got the best top five finishing rate at 46.6, and he's tied for the best top 10 finishing rate, 66.67. The third driver that's highlighted, Martin Truex Jr., doesn't quite have the same stats here when you look at his top five or top 10 finishing rate, but he does have two career wins here. So I think that that's why it's putting him up here. And he did run, he took some damage here last year, but he did run very good at this race. He's got a 94.44 top 20 finishing rate at this track. That's 17 top 20 finishes and 18 total appearances on this track. Truex also has the second most laps led here with 293. It's pretty impressive. Now, one thing before we get into the grid that I thought was interesting. So one thing that I thought was interesting, because I want to go over the starting grid, or at least look at the top 10, and and I'll tell you why. In six of the last eight events at Las Vegas, the winner started 10th or better. 
So if we're looking at the starting grid order for this week, we have Kevin Harvick on the pole, William Byron, number two, number three, Kyle Larson, number four, Martin Truex Jr., number five, Michael McDowell, number six, Denny Hamlin, number seven, Kurt Busch, number eight, Chase Elliott, number nine, Alex Bowman, and number 10, Brad Keselowski. Now, like we just said, so in six of the last eight events, the winner was 10th or better. Some drivers to note that are outside of that 10, you have Kyle Busch at number 14, who we've discussed. He was my pick actually to win last week and was very disappointing. And I know you're totally off the Kyle Busch bandwagon. Totally out. Joey Logano is 15th, which I thought also. And number 26th, Ryan Blaney. So there's three drivers there who, although they are outside of the top 10, I think are going to have a very strong showing and do appear in my fantasy lineup. So next, we'll get to that here. So do you want to go over, uh, I guess, our our score that we had from last week? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, we had a close matchup this last week. I I actually edged you out by a single point. And honestly, I I had drivers in the top 10. My winner, I I mean, I had tripled down. I talked Kyle Busch up so much. And it was, like I said, more of a gut feeling, I think, than anything, which just goes to show what I know. Uh, I did did have Kyle Larson in my my lineup who, who did well for me. And um, I had Kevin Harvick as the top four. I'm um, sorry, as the top forward. So I think that that got me some points there. But right now, the standings, I am up by a single point, 173 points to your 172. Yeah, that's it's crazy it's how close. close that ended it's up. Close, <laughs> it is. I think we'll get better as as season goes on. And I, you know, the interesting thing with with these lineups is you have to pick. Um, <laughs> it's got to you can only use the driver a certain amount of times. I'll go over my starters this week. We're going to give you five drivers a piece of who we think and then our winner. So number one, I got Alex Bowman. And he's someone I mentioned on the podcast earlier this week. I saw that he was plus $2,500. So you know, $100 bet pays you $2,500 betting if you're not sure of, of what that means. And I couldn't believe it because, again, Ryan Blaney is plus 1300 so almost half. And that's where I feel like he should be. I think he's a great value going into this race. He was very good here uh, the last two races, and he does great on these, you know, like mile and a half tracks. I'm looking for him to 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 go ahead. And I, I actually, I guess I'll, I'll leave it here. My race winner is Alex Bowman. That, that's who I'm going with to, to win the race this week. My other drivers I have, and I think that's where I mentioned like, the the pick that I have might surprise people. I don't know, but because he's he is considered an underdog, he's still plus eighteen hundred. So there are many many drivers ahead of him. My other four drivers I have: Brad Keselowski, Ryan Blaney, Joey Logano, and Martin Truex Jr. Again, a lot of Team Penske. They are phenomenal here, as we said. Per I believe it was per RacingReference.com of the top five finishing positions here. Three are on Team Penske, and that's That's Blaney, Keselowski, and Logano. So even though Blaney and Logano are starting outside that top 10, I think they're going to make a a huge run here and be in a position to win. That that is really interesting. So Bowman is your pick. I went with Bowman. I know. I had a feeling. It's a long shot. but I Well, it's a long shot if you look at the odds, but really, I don't think it is. I mean, considering how well he did there last year, um, I think that he definitely has a a good shot. I mean, I I, I feel good about that. I don't know if the, listen, nobody beats Vegas, right? They're always going to win. But I almost wonder if Vegas hasn't adjusted the odds when they open to account for, well, I guess the opening odds wouldn't necessarily affect qualifying and practice. I I don't know. Like, I don't know if they haven't adjusted for that. You know, I don't know what they're looking at to create these. Vegas knows something that I don't probably. So I'm sure come Monday, I'll be explaining why my pick was wrong again. (laughs) We'll see. But I, I feel really good about it. Yeah, that is that is very interesting. So, all right, so I I 
selected a few different drivers this time. There's a couple of uh, double appearances from last week making their appearance. Um, but first off, I'll start off with uh, William Byron. I'm really sold on him from last week. And this week, he won't have to go from you know 31st to try to make his way up. I also went with Michael McDowell. He's been extremely consistent this year. Uh, he's you know one of only two drivers that have had a top 10 finish in every race so far. I figured that might as well keep riding him out until he uh, <laughs> he runs out probably later in the year, if if that does occur. Uh, Brad Kozlowski, for the reasons you explained, um, he's just good at this track. So, I mean, I had to have him in my top my top five here. Uh, Kevin Harvick, self-explanatory, good everywhere. And then I also selected Alex Bowman in my uh, my top five here. Oh, she made the cut. Okay. Yep. like it what and I'm then, putting out. I like it. Yeah. <laughs> And who was your garage driver again? Um, I don't even think I went over mine. I put Denny Hamlin. So again, the garage driver is like NASCAR.com fantasy allows you to pick a garage driver, which is essentially a bench spot. You can sub in until the second stage. I went with Denny Hamlin. Okay. I went with Tyler Reddick on this one. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, I feel like at these mile and a half, Tyler Reddick is just really good. Um, he got really close last week, so I definitely could imagine him uh, doing something a little bit similar that he did uh, at the you know closing stage of uh, Homestead, where he was really coming on strong there at the end. So definitely keep an eye out on him, too. For my race winner, I'm going to go ahead and select William Byron. I think, once again, last week was extremely impressive. Um, I was not expecting such a dominant performance uh, from William Byron and uh, Rudy Fugel. And just considering what they've done in the past, I have a lot of confidence, especially with him starting on the outside pole position. Uh, I, I think that William Byron has a really good chance to win this race, have his first career repeat. Um, so, yeah, first uh, two, two race win in a row. I think William Byron's going to get it done this weekend. I always like to talk about some paint schemes that are going to be out here this this week. Um, Kyle Busch, I don't know if you saw his his ethyl chocolate paint scheme. <laughs> it's so weird. He's he is the candy man. Somehow he has like the rights to every candy. This might be like the ugliest paint scheme I've ever seen. I'm sorry, <laughs> it's pretty. But I really shitty. don't like it. It is like the ugliest shade of like mint green, and then they just they just slap some <laughs> like Whitman's chocolates on the side. It's so, it's dumb. so ugly. Uh, William Byron's going to be in his liberty. And there was another one I, I saw that I liked too. Oh, um, Austin Dillon is in the Bet MGM Chevrolet. Uh, so Bet MGM, uh, I like I'll seeing have to these. Look that uh, up. Yeah, it's pretty cool. It's, um, again, another sports book, but it's colors are pretty neat. It's like gold and black and white. And I, the Oh, that's going to look cool, nice on so. that car. Yeah, so I always like to talk about them. Yeah, Byron's, Byron's Liberty paint scheme this year is pretty sexy. I think is this the first time he's run it too? Do you know? I can't yeah, remember. yeah, I think it is. Right? He's yeah, first time. He's kind of going back similar to his uh, Xfinity roots, where it's going to be having like that white hood and it has like that flame on the side. Looks pretty sick. And Joey so. Logano is going to be racing his Shell Pennzoil Ford as he always does. Yeah. <laughs> Has he ever had a paint scheme ever? <laughs> so it's funny. I went back and looked and it's find me a video of Joey Logano not in that car. To go back to like 2007 when he's driving uh, the number 20 car. I, I almost want to see what the streak is at this point. I, I can't remember if he is. I'm sure there's a race. I'm sure somebody will say, oh, <laughs> well, he has that. Race that he's, yeah, he's he has by. that blue and red car. You know, like that dark blue and red car. I have no idea what sponsor it is. I can't think of it. And I think he also is sponsored by Peak maybe. But I just I can't remember him being in a different kind of car. Like it's just it's ridiculous. Mr. Consistency. Yeah. I guess we're, he's got a sponsor. So <laughs> what more yeah, do you want? <laughs> he doesn't have to cycle through like everyone else. 
But uh, that that's our predictions here. So it'll be interesting to see. I'm very excited for this race. It's been a fun season so far. Three different winners, two of which who I don't think anybody thought that they would have. One thing, too, I was listening to a podcast and somebody mentioned that I didn't even really think about. But Michael McDowell's come up a few times. You know, they were kind of saying like when he won the Daytona 500, oh, well, you know, that's a fluke race. Yeah. He'll pretty much be done for the season or you won't see him again. Well, then he, he gets two more top tens. And he's done that at three different types of tracks. Super Speedway, your mile and a half, and your road course. He's another name I think everybody's watching, not just us, uh, just because he makes for a good story. So pretty exciting. We're going to have our race recap show next week, so look out for that. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you. See you. See you.